0: your money man, get your bread up, gotta do for yourself, know you fed up, get your study on, all praise be to God, stay read up, die, never let up, everyone that I'm on already know what I'm about, build heaven on earth, gotta catch up Elijah, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, Farrah Kamakomesh, now man what about me? Welcome to the Brother Ben X podcast man, today I'm interviewing my brother, Brother Winford uh, X, brother who has his own book called Determine to change their 15 years in prison. And as you can see, he says, no matter how dark your world becomes, light is always present, man. He's also my personal security, so you always see him whenever we traveling. Um, he's on deck, uh, hit hiding in plain sight, uh, as he says. So man, for those who don't know who you are, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, brother. Uh, my name is Brother Winfred X, uh, first and foremost student of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And like Brother Bene said, I'm his personal security, which I'm so humbly uh, thankful to be. And uh, I am an author as well of Determined to Change. As the brother said, I did 15 years in a federal penitentiary. And uh, so, so much that I learned, you know, in that process, man. But uh, I'm here, man, and I'm thankful.
0: Um, man, having someone who did 15 years in prison, at what age did you go to prison? 19. 19 years old yes, how sir. was it uh what was your thought process and 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 well let's first start with this because many always say uh, man the reason our youth are going to prison the reason our youth are in the streets is because they don't have a good household uh the, the house is not uh conducive to a good background so this is what lead them astray so let's talk about your upbringing uh what kind of led you into getting in that type of environment that took you to prison
1: yes sir absolutely Uh, Well, with that stigma um, about the household, I don't really... I mean, it could be, but it it could be tricky as well because I had my father. Mm -hmm. Many black men don't have their father. Uh, Either their father is in prison or they just don't know their father or their father is deceased. But for me, in the reality, I had my father every single day. So my dad taught me, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I knew all the... Uh, respect to have for myself and for others but as you know of course as the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan teach us about the environments he said the environments no matter what good is in you the environment will turn you into itself mm. and my my father he worked he showed um independency he showed that he was a man to get up and not be lazy and a man who met requirements, and for me and him, and uh, I seen all of the greatness in my father, but I chose to be uh, one of the ones that were curious of the environments. And you know, my father told me, "Hey, look, man, don't be going over here, don't go over there." But as a child, you're curious. So when a parent tell you not to do something, what do we do? We do the opposite. Mm. You know, so we want to go and see why not go over there. And I think that's exactly what happened because, again, I'm always thinking about that environment. Parent has to go to work. So after we come home from school, who's attending me? Right. Myself or anything that's out there that I'm surrounded about. So therefore, I seen the drugs, I seen the gangs, I seen the pimps, I seen the prostitutes. I seen it all firsthand. So by me being able to see that your mind is like a recorder. If you see this every single day, then it's a high percentage you're going to become a part of what you see every single day.
0: Uh, Many people, I'm sure, want to understand the mindset of uh, young black men who go on that route. You talked about having your father um i'm aware of your background saying that you know when it came to shoes and playstations you had these things many people who go to the streets go because they're lacking something they're lacking money they're lacking uh the ps5s they don't have it so they're trying to go do something illegal to go get it what was going on in your mind what was the attractive power of the streets when you had everything in house
1: oh man yes sir um what was what i was attracted to was just being able to be understood. Mm. And when I say being able to be understood, we know that parents and children have a long age gap between each other. Those are two different generations. Okay. So the language of most parents do not speak the same language as the younger generation. So therefore it's a gap between that. So even though my father was there, show me love uh uh necessities food shelter clothing but one thing that was missing was the communication and i think as you step outside and you're around your own uh surroundings or you're around your own age group and you see your brothers and i see my my friends struggling uh mothers on drugs never knew their their fathers But to me, it seemed like, okay, it's time for me to come in the house. My curfew, 9 o'clock. All my friends that I'm used to, the night just getting started. Mm -hmm. So now I have to go in because father understands the seriousness of what happens Um, when the street lights come on. When when my father would tell me to come in the house, my curfew was 9 o'clock. The night just getting started. So a lot of the dudes that I was associating with. Again, they didn't have fathers. Their mothers was on drugs. Probably didn't know where their mother was, so they was having to attend to themselves. Mm-hmm. So in my eyes as a child, that looked fun. It looked like, oh, man, y'all about to get ready and have so much fun, not knowing the danger of the things that they experience every single night. Um, not having anything to eat. I remember brothers used to come knock on my door, chunk rocks at my window, hey, bring me something to eat. And I never understood that. But those were my friends, so there was a genuine love to me. So I was connected to that. I felt like I was one of them. So um, I think that's where the, the power of communication amongst my peers, or what I thought was love. I thought there was a real love there because they gravitated towards me, mm-hmm. you know? So,
0: yes, sir. If you were to parent yourself, And think about your mindset at the age of, let's say, 17 through 19. What would you do different that you didn't have? What communication would you give? What changes would you make knowing yourself that probably would have steered you away from going to the streets?
1: Man, that's a that's a tough question. Um, From 17 to 19, what would I? Hmm. I would have to say. Again, man, I I think it's just the communication. I think the hands-on communication of showing, not saying the love is there, or showing me through just like necessities, but actually building a relationship. You know, uh, because like I said, when I was younger, we did we did football and we did basketball and we went out of town, bitty basketball. We did those things. But as I grew, the conflict became between parent, father, and the environment. So it was a pull. It was a it was a pull. So father's trying to be a father and the streets is there. So I'm I'm it's 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 the two forces in me are pulling to do what my father's telling me to do. But then there is a force in me that is that is curious of the unknown. And so I'm 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 going towards that. So I would say just more of a hands-on communication. Hmm. Peace. Before
0: I get into it, I first want to thank you for checking out the Brother Benex podcast. Now, I want to let you guys know that the Digital Real Estate 2022 version is off the chain. Many of y'all have already saw all the testimonials and the feedback from people who done took my class making thousands of dollars per month. Y'all better get ready because 2022 version is we're going to crank it up a notch. All you got to do is text digital to 214-884-4644 to get on the list. Text the word digital, just the word by itself to 214-884-4644. I also got some free gifts for you. Go check it out. Now, around this time, you have, uh, you, you have a child at this time. When did you have your first son? Is that at 19? Yes, sir. I was 19 years old. 19 years old. Okay, so you're 19 years old. You have your own child. So you going in. What's going through your mindset? You, you, you,
1: did you know that she was pregnant? Yes, I did. Uh, right before I got locked up, I, I, I found out that she was pregnant. Because you know how it is at, at, at 18, 19, mm-hmm. especially when you run running the streets. You know, uh, you you hustling, um, you 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 you're halfway attractive, so the women in the hood they flocking, so you don't know what's going on. And then I just hear this, "Hey, so and so says she's pregnant by you." Mm. First thing I think, man, get out of here, because that's the reality of how we were living, you know. And once I found out, I didn't stray away from the responsibility. But I'm a hood dude, so it was just more, I had money. So it was like, okay, well, it is what it is. I told my father. I got a baby on the way. And, you know, he pretty much said, hey, you know, hey, you out here now. You got to take care of that. But not knowing to the magnitude, I didn't know what a man was, brother Ben. Mm. I didn't know that. I thought just having a few thousands of dollars in my pocket was going to be uh enough to be a parent to mm. be a father i thought it was about the money
0: mm. uh, what what went through your mind when you when you first heard man you got 15 years in prison like what went through your mind and what did you think how did you did you think about your son like man i got a son on the way i'm about to be doing 15 years what was going through your mind when you first
1: got that sentence Actually, it was 17 and a half. Mm. (laughs) Let's add that on there, you know. But uh, honestly, man, I thought my life was over. You know, my father had always been there for me ever since I was born. So for him not to be able to come to my aid at this particular time, he was always there. Anytime I ever got in trouble at school, anytime I wanted something, it was always daddy. And he was always making it. He, he made it happen. So when this situation happened. And when I first got locked up. And I was, the, I was in the glass. I was sitting on this side. And my father was on this side. And I'm looking at him through the glass. And the first time he said is. One of the first words he said is. I can't get you out of this one. Mm. that's when it really struck and that's when it really hit that damn I'm all alone I mean my father was so close on the other side of the glass but yet so far away Mm. you know and that right there man just um, that let me know I didn't know yet but it was another power that was on the scene that I had no clue of, because when my father said that he couldn't help, all my hope, all my dreams, everything was right on the other side of the glass, so I felt like I felt like that was the end literally
0: wow um as you go into prison is there is there a fear are you you know you are you thinking about uh, old movies you probably seen, oh, TV course. shows <laughs> that you probably seen. What was the mindset? What was what, what was the thoughts yes, going indeed. through your head when you first went in? And when you first went in, how was it? You know, they often you often hear, all oh, men when they come in, they see fresh meat, they hollering at you, and yes, all that sir. type of stuff." Is that it, tell us kind of paint the picture for what's yes, happening when you first get in the prison? Absolutely,
1: everything that you just said to pretty much sum it up. Eighty-five uh, percent of it is true. Man fear what he don't understand. Man fear what He don't know. Um, yeah, you think about the you know prison and you think about the stuff you seen on TV, you know, shoot man. Big big dudes in there with muscles, they shoot, you know, you're a little bitty dude. And yes, I was. I was afraid. I was afraid, but I knew. Okay. I'm in the streets, I'm doing things in the streets. Um, now this is the flip side of the coin. Okay. Um, even though I was afraid, I was mad young. It's 19 years old. Even though I was afraid, I still went in with whatever happens. It's just going to happen. You know, uh, if it's going to go down, it's going to go down. So, and remember I had enemies on the street. So I don't know what I'm stepping into Mm. my hood was, we was in tour with all different kinds of hoods in the Dallas area. So I'm not knowing, damn, either I'm gonna meet friends or I'm gonna see enemies. Well, you run into both. You see friends and you see enemies. You hoping to see friends first before you see enemies. Mm. And yeah, that's what happened, man. Um, When I went in, I didn't weigh nothing but probably 150 pounds. So think about it. I'm six feet tall, weighing 150 pounds at 19 years old. So when I first came in, man, and they opened up the whole dorm, just to see all how big these guys were, man, was like, damn. And I remember everybody just kept saying to me, man, he looked like a baby. Man, this is a youngster. So everybody started calling me youngster. Youngster youngster, youngster, what you doing to her, man? you don't look like you number 14, fourteen fifteen, so that's what everybody was saying, so I thank a lot for that man, that my my youngness i wasn't I wasn't taken advantage of it was more of God was protecting me when I didn't even know it. Mm. It was guys that had already been in there that started saying. Oh youngster, man, there's a little youngster in here, man. You know, and so I had a co-defendant too. So me and him went in at the same time. So we really had each other's back. So it's pretty much me and him together. We, we, we committed crimes on the street. You know, we, you know, had this woman that, you know, we shopped. We did all these things on the street together. So for me and him to transition off into prison, yeah, we both were nervous and we both scared the, and we feared the unknown. But we had each other. So um, that was a help as well. Didn't 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 know it. But that was a spiritual help as well. Me going through what I'm going through. He going through what he going through. But we had each other. And then we started seeing people that we knew. And uh, pretty much we kind of fell right in, man. But it was for two weeks straight, I cried every night. I prayed like I ain't never prayed before. I didn't know what I was praying to. but But the sincerity of the intention of the prayer I knew God heard it because I didn't understand what was about to happen. And I fell on in, man, and, and, and got comfortable uh with what was going on and stuff like that, man. But um yeah, it's 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 definitely, yeah, you fear what you don't understand. You fear going into something that you don't know that you've seen on TV and stuff like that. And yes, I've seen brothers get stabbed, I've seen confrontations. And you're trained not to see anything. Even though you've seen it, you didn't see it. Mm. So, like I said, I seen brothers get stabbed as soon as I went inside of a prison. And so at night, I would cry myself to sleep and say, what have I gotten myself into? You know, uh, I uh, um, I had a girl that was pregnant that was about to have my child. And here it is. I'm knowing I'm not going home I knew it I knew I wasn't going home for a long time so I was trying to wrestle that in my mind I got, a, I got a baby on the way I got a baby on the way I didn't know if I was having a boy or a girl but once I found that out that I was having a son I mean it probably would have been worse if I was having a daughter but at the same time just to have my first child knowing that I wasn't going to be there I knew i was I knew I had messed up, brother.
0: Hmm. um going to prison, I'm sure there's a major lifestyle change. What was some of the what was one of the biggest lifestyle changes that you had? I know the food is different, using the bathroom and maybe taking a shower. What was the biggest lifestyle change that you seen when you first going to prison?
1: Yes, sir. um one of the biggest things that changed you know going to prison is. When you have to get naked in front of other men, Mm. come on, brother. That's that's privacy. And when that is stripped away from you, and you're in a situation where guys are getting in the shower, you're hesitant at first because you know you knew it. This you're like, man, I don't want to. Every time you go to visit, come back, you got to strip down. So really. You're stripping your, your clothes down, but it's stripping your spirit. Mm. It's stripping your mind. That's one of the forms of breaking you down. That's one of the forms of being institutionalized. It's breaking you as a man. I mean, think about it. You naked. And a guard tell you to hold your nuts, cough, turn around, spread your butt cheeks, bend down. And as a man, we're trying to hurry up and get it over with, man. You know what I mean? You're trying to put some clothes on. And it's at their discretion. They have the power to say, oh, wait a minute. You're turning too fast. Let's start over. Imagine that. Imagine you coming from visit, just seeing your family. Police officer, guard. Standing there, tell you to get naked. You taking off your clothes, spread your butt cheeks. Ah, oh, I couldn't see it. Just do it again. As a man, you hear those words. Up, start. Do it again. Just slow down. What? What? What are you so in a rush for? Hold on. I do as I say. I, I'm the officer. That's to break you. Mm. It's to break you, man. Uh, I experienced that, and you know that was one of the biggest things um another thing that was that was very difficult was having to having to grow up in that setting from 19 years old to 34 years old i had to grow up without my immediate family the people that I love the most. I had to grow up, I had to see my father and my mother age in the process of me doing time. It broke relationships that I had with family members, good relationships, because you outgrow, your life is over here, that life goes on, so now So many affairs is happening in their life. You incarcerated. So many things is going through your life. So we just grew apart. We still love each other, but we're not connected. We're not as we used to be. And those certain relationships that hurt, because you say, "Man, this was my best person. This was my guy. Oh, this was my best cousin. This was my sister. This was my brother." But as you experience your path and they experience theirs, as you come back and you start to dialogue and communicate, you see it's totally different. It's totally different. And the and only thing you can do is live with it. Mm. Um, what lessons did
0: you pick up from prison, like, that people need to look out for? Uh, one I've heard is when you go going to prison, brother may, you know, give you, do a favor for you. Uh, give you some snacks or whatever the case may be, because in the future he's looking for, you know, a reward. He's looking for you to do for him. So what what little lessons did you pick up on? Maybe young brother can be listening, um, somebody going into that area or just dealing with a con man or dealing with somebody with that mindset that they need to be aware of.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, One of the main lessons going into prison is mind your business. Don't get. In a situation to where, because guys are calling you, they'll slide up on you. Yeah, Yo, man, niggas over there, man, and woo, woo, woo. And the whole time, he, t- he tricking you. Mm. Them, his partners. Oh, yeah, man, them niggas from so-and-so. Oh, yeah, we from so-and-so. We from over here. Yeah, man, and you get sucked into that. Mm. And by the time you get sucked into that, now you got a whole other group of people coming at you. Hey, man, uh, dude trying to see you. What you talking about? You didn't spoke too soon. You didn't say something you ain't had no business saying. Mm. Even in the prison, you see homosexuals? You see that life? You see two men holding hands? You see two men kissing? That's none of your business. You see it but you don't see it. The first time I seen it, I knew it was real. <laughs> I knew I was in a place where it was a reality. And I just was like, man, what have I done? But being in that environment, it don't make you, it doesn't make you homophobic. And see a lot of guys be homophobic, oh man, I don't. Them the guys you gotta watch. Because at the end of the day, You in there with homosexuals, you in there, you see this, it's promoted. And that's another thing I knew about the government. This is a, it's a cesspool. It's a breeding ground to promote the deceptive intelligence that those in high places want to continue to target on the black man in particular. That is a, that is a, that is a theme. But those that were participating in those acts, you know, I had friends that was in those acts, but I never disrespected them. I never shunned away because, oh, I can't get caught with you because people might say this and that. People are going to say what they want anyway. But we have to understand that, well, I understood that a human being is a human being. I understood This is a hell of a circumstance that people are in. Not to say I'm promoting it, but I'm saying it's beyond the surface of what we're seeing in that person. And you just look at it and say, okay. And I've talked to some. I've talked to some that was in that lifestyle. And think about this. God say, oh, I've been locked up since I was 18, but he's 45 now. And you say, you've been locked up since you was 18 years old? And how old are you? I'm 45. So from 18 years old to 45, you've been in prison around nothing but men. So you ain't had no childhood. You didn't have no, and ain't, and ain't no telling what happened to you in your childhood. Mm. So now you're 18 years old, you go to prison for 30 years. They throw the book at you, throw the key away, 30 years. So the rest of your life, your 20s, your 30s, half of your 40s, you experience all this around the reality of other men. Now, Allah created man to be with woman. So anytime you are incarcerated, no matter if it's men or or women prison, we are naturally imbalanced. We are naturally imbalanced. And the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, this is why he understands and being a man of God, of universal truth. He says, come as you are, but you can't stay that way. Because why does he say come as you are? Because he understands the reality of the condition of the world. The things that we've been through as a people, in particular, the black man and woman. Look at how they created a slave and it took 64 years. So we know the filth that they did to create a slave. Brother Reza Islam talk about the buck breaking. That is a modern thing that is still going on now in the federal penitentiary, in the state penitentiary. Those are things that still go on right now. One of the tactics that they still hold today. Do they have to force you to do it? No. They give you a lot of time and allow that time to maximize on your spirit and in your mind and you around. And if you come in at 18 years old and you're 45 and 50 years old. What are you doing in between that time? In that time span? And you have those that can hit the environment and they turn into what they yearn for. It's like a frog, Brother Ben X. If a male frog is not around, if it's all male frogs around in a pool and there is no female frog, one of those male frogs will mutate into a female frog. Did you know that? Yes, sir. Wow. They will mutate into a female frog because of the environment that it's in. So as I learned that when I was in prison, I started to look at the human being and I said, wow, now understanding and every man is a woman. We learn that from the teachings and every man there is feminine, a feminine side of a man. And certain people get in those conditions and that force of that feminality in that individual it takes over Hmm. and when it takes over some men they give up they look and say well i got 30 years left who gonna know me when i when i get out of prison family gone this is my life. This is my world. That's a reality, man. So that's why I don't laugh when it comes to that. I don't laugh. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, he understands well. He's never been to prison, but he understands what has, been, what has happened to the black man and woman. It's the same thing for females in, 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 in their prisons. The women all around each other. They turn into butchers. You see some of the women and you say, damn, she look like she lift weights, traps, all kind of things. Talk like a man. The minister said that the mind is so powerful that whatever you think, it will start appearing on you, like physically. Brother, I've seen men that look like women. Uh, They give them hormone pills where they can have breasts. They can get hormone pills to where they grow breasts.
2: Hmm.
1: Men. So how are you able to get these hormone pills? You can go right up and get hormone pills at the medical center inside of the prison. Wow. So what do you call that? That is a promotion. That is a, that is, that is a temptation. Wow, damn. Damn, man, look. They, wear, they, 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 they make their clothes. They wear skimpy little shorts, call them Daisy Dukes. We know how women put Daisy Dukes on. You got men that wear that. That work on nothing but their legs to make their butt bigger. Nothing but legs. That is, that is what I've experienced in the 15 years of being in prison.
0: Um, we know that Allah has an active and a permissive will. So even in the belly of the beast, there's, I'm sure, many lessons that our brothers and even yourself probably learn. What was the top three lessons that you learned from being in prison?
1: <clears throat> the, t- the three top lessons that I learned of being in prison, man, was. Definitely. Um, always respect everybody, no matter what. No matter what you see on the surface of a person, respect that person. Have respect for yourself to respect that person because you never know what that person's been through. Of course, the teachings enhance me in that understanding. Um, Secondly, it taught me how to love more. It taught me how to love more in the sense of Loving myself and literally thinking before I put myself in a situation. Thinking about it. The Most Son of Elijah Muhammad teach us, think five times before you speak. It's the same process of after I experienced that, damn, rising above your emotions. I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't want to have to come back through here no more, man. I knew then when I was doing time, brother Ben, I knew I'm not coming back, man. It's torture waking up every day, man. Just sometimes just I can't, you know, and it taught me patience. It taught me patience. It taught me no matter what condition I'm in, light is always present. It taught me that. Patience. It taught me how to be patient. I seen brothers who would be called over the intercom and they were going to the chaplain and they would come out falling on the floor because they got a call and said that their mama passed away or their child got hit by a car. Mm. That child was in a drive by shooting. And the worst thing about it is you can't even go to the funeral. You can't even say a proper goodbye to your loved ones because you are flight risk. We can't allow you to go to the funeral. Sorry. And that's it. So it taught me patience. It taught me no matter what I'm going through out here in the world, I'm not going to have a reprobated mind to put myself back in the streets. I won't do it. Not for my son. Not for no woman. Not for no homeboy. Not for nothing. Not for my own wicked desires. I'm going to be patient if I got to go and work in another warehouse or whatever I have to do, brother. I'm not embarrassed. Because. It's better to be on this side. Than to. Have a reprobated mind and get back in the streets, accumulate two hundred fifty thousand, three hundred thousand dollars in a year later, you get popped again and now you just did 15, now you're doing another 20. I'd rather be patient and allow the solution of whatever problem I'm in to come to me and figure it out before I ever go back down that road.
0: How many times in our community have we said we need to unite and come together? How many times in our community have we said land is very important? There's only 57,255,000 square miles of land, so we need to get some of this earth that we can call our own. This is what we're doing in unity at Here at the Farms. If you are interested in collaborating with us, buying land together, building a community together, text the word LAND to 214-884-4644. Just the word by itself. Text the word LAND to 214-884-4644 to stay tapped in. Um, man, you talked about it helped you with patience. There's many people today in entrepreneurship, relationships, whatever, uh, trying to build, trying to grow as a human being who don't have patience. And the Honorable Minister Lewis Farrakhan teaches us that we're born in haste. Yes, and, We're not born with patience. That's an acquired thing that we have to get Mm -hmm. over time. When you think about the baby, if the baby doesn't have milk right now, the baby's crying. When the baby needs that diaper change or the baby want to go somewhere, when they can't get it immediately, it starts to cry. So we're not born with patience. So being a brother who went in at 19 and was able to survive that long of a time, 15 years in prison, what did you learn? What can you share with somebody about patience,
1: how to build patience? Yes, sir. Since we're not born with it. Yes, sir. Well, I will say this and we, we can't sugarcoat it in order to accumulate patience. It's going to be a lot of pain. It's a lot of long suffering uh, to accumulate patience. Um, I know a lot of people say, oh, I don't read the Bible. I don't read the Quran." Well, we know that we are books, but those books are great books because those books are reminders of things that are already instilled in us so we should pick up the words of wisdom and i'm speaking in particular bible and quran i must say that i must let people know that the bible and the quran the wisdom is second to none so those things that we read and we study and also for patience. you got to have a vision, man. you got to pray. People say sometimes I don't pray. I don't care what you pray to. But you have to have something inside of you that will allow you to meditate, that you talk to. You have to understand that there is a power bigger than you in yourself that is going to require you to get acquainted. So you have to get acquainted with that with that power inside yourself, man. You have to read. You have to study. And you have to observe and you have to learn from the things that you just see on an everyday basis. You got to learn from it. Don't do too much talking. That's why God gave us two eyes, two ears and one mouth. That means we are supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. Don't do too much talking, just observe, man, observe and learn from other people's mistakes and that's how you gain patience. Keep yourself busy, especially if you're a youngster. if you end up going to prison, something that I didn't do, which I wish I would have did. They have all kind of courses, curriculums that you could take in in, in prison uh uh, college courses. They, they have trades. They have all that. But, but for me, I was more still devastated. I was more still devastated probably for the first six, about the first seven years of my, of, of my prison bid. I was more still traumatized, literally, of just doing the time. Mm. You know, uh, I tried to get into classes. But I couldn't stop focusing on, I'm in prison. You know, that was one of the, the the barriers, and I never. This is my first time saying that, in this interview. That was one of the things that, um, I wanted to take up, and I did air conditioning, heating. I was able to get my EPA license. Uh, I got certified as air conditioning, heating. But it was something just to do because. I was always worried about the environment. You know, anytime you see Mexicans huddle up, you see blacks huddle up, you know people get to tell you, hey man, you know, uh, go get your knife, it's about to go down, you know, this and that. So, it's, it's, I'm not making an excuse, but it's so much going on, and a lot of people think that federal prison, oh man, y'all get to, y'all get to kick back, oh you in club fed. No man, listen. My first five years, I was in a medium high, which is a penitentiary. So that meant that I was around lifers. I was around people with two and three life sentences. I was around people that had been locked up 20, 30 years. So being around that, you had politics, gangs. Everything is about politics in prison. There are no people that can come into prison and say, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't rock with nobody. I'm solo. I don't, I don't do this. You cannot do that. You can't come into a, a setting of, of of lifers and thirties and forties and say, uh, I just want to do my time. I just want to be a a citizen, and you know I don't want any trouble. No, man. That's why I'm trying to tell you, it's designed for that. You got to come in, and you got to pick a, you got to pick and choose. That's how they identify you. Real quick. So, me going in, I knew I was affiliated with Bloods. I had crip partners because i'm from a crip hood but i was affiliated with bloods when i was on the street so when i went in texas family tried to recruit me oh this tf i was like oh boy i'm talking about some big dudes too they was like hey man we texas family and i was like man you know what no disrespect i said but where the bloods at so just so happened one of my cousins he's a blood from 415 east dallas And he was one of the top shot callers on the compound that I went to. And once I realized that he was on the yard and once we hooked up, he put me on his wing and told me I was good. Again, I didn't understand it then, brother Ben, but I knew then when I came into Islam that Allah had me surrounded and protected the whole time. Mm. Didn't know it, but I walked into a situation, and a lot had people in place for me. I got into some scuffles. I got into some scuffles, you know, four, five scuffles. And uh, I'll I'll tell you this, brother, Ben, real quick. I got into it with a brother who could have killed me, got the best of me. Uh, He was a blood, too. He was from Pasadena Lane, California. We never spoke. He always used to just watch me, mug me. I never said nothing to him and then you know one day he said something slick and so I called him out of his name I called him a B-I-T-C-H and that was the wrong thing that I should have never did. I called another man out of his name I disrespected him and I didn't follow up with the disrespect. I called him out of his name the brothers was like man y'all squash that it is what it is both of y'all the blood homies and i didn't follow up well that next morning they popped the doors at around five o'clock in the morning and i was in my cell and as they popped the door the guard come around and popped the doors and when they when he popped the door it woke me up so i got up to you know use the restroom just take it just 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 you know just urinate and as i'm urinating soon as i finish urinating I turned around to get back in the bed and just like a blink of an eye the brother came into my room and slid in and hit me with a lock and hit me and, and he knocked me down. Hit me in the head with a lock. And when I fell he was on top of me. And the first thing he said is, nigga, you dead. Brother, when I tell you, boy, I said, law- I didn't even know what a law wag boy was. I didn't say it but the strength in me, when he said, "Nigga, you dead," I got three times stronger because I some in me said, "Not right now." <laughs> <laughs> See, not no, you alive, brother? No, sir. So the brother is on top of me and he hit me, and he hit me in my head. So I don't want him to hit me in my face, so I have my head down like this. So I'm steady trying to get up. And we scrabbling in the in the room, we scrabbling, scrabbling. So I'm trying to figure out what is he hitting me with? Cause I can hear like a chain. I'm like, what is he hitting me with? Just and it's the grace of God, he didn't stab, he didn't have a knife. He had a lock and a sock. He had a a a lock and he had it tied to a sock and he had it in his hand. Mm. But as I picked him up, I grabbed my string, I picked him up, and my, my door was half open. So I I grabbed him and I, I I I dumped him on the ground outside and the lock slid. When the lock slid, it was blood everywhere. I got on top of him and I was grabbing him and I was hitting him, but I couldn't see because I had blood in my eyes. Mm. So as they hit the lights, boom, the police, I could see I could hear people coming out on the on the on the on the wing saying, man, that's youngster, that's youngster. That's youngster. And so they was like, lock it down, lock it down so as another guard came i heard the guards coming with their keys i heard them coming they grabbed him and they grabbed me when i look up brother i'm bloody i got it's blood everywhere so it's people coming out they got all the lights on there it's people coming out upstairs looking down out their room and they like damn youngster. and i don't know how bad it is because i'm bloody and one of the 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 the, the, the uh, lieutenants was a white woman i never forget uh miss lieutenant flounder when she seen me, when she came around and she came into our dorm, when she seen me, she just, she grabbed her. She said, oh, my God, we got to get him to the infirmities. So, and my and my head was stinging. It was stinging. So, I didn't know how bad it was. I was like, man, dude, didn't just disfigure me. You know what I mean? He didn't mess me up. So, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, no. And in my head, it's like my world has slowed down. And I'm saying to myself, what am I doing here? Hmm. Why am I even in her, man? I messed up. You don't have no business in her. What are you doing in her? And I'm like, man, man could have killed me. And as I went to the infirmities and they put you in the shower. And when the shower hits you, it's medicine in the shower. Mm. So it's cleaning me up. So as I got clean, I had a little gash. They put some stitches in it. You know what I'm saying? And they locked me up because then they got to investigate what happened. Now, when they locked me up and put me in a cell by myself, they put the dude who I got in, with in the cell by himself. One day he was going by my cell. And he looked in and he said, I could have killed you. He said, but I didn't want to kill you. He said, I just want to teach you. Never disrespect another man and don't handle your business. Brother, I had to respect that. Mm. I had to respect it. He said, I could have killed you. He said, I came in with a lock and a, ch- a, a sock. He said, now, just think if I came in with a knife and, and and stuck you, you ain't no coming back from that. So I learned, brother. I learned. Never come out of your mouth, especially out here. It's even worse out here. Because you got guns. Always think five times before you speak. See, the Most honorable Elijah Muhammad was a master teacher, not just in the sense of speaking ignorant, but he was saying those same words to save your life. Think five times before you speak. Okay, this nigga over here, hold on, wait a minute. Keep it up here. Don't come out your mouth. Don't, don't, no. Mm Think about it, and when you have an opportunity to think about it, and you're patient with whatever you're expressing, it allows you to live another day.
0: Wow. Um, let's talk about your transition into um, Islam because you yes, didn't sir. start with the Nation of Islam. Um, Talk about that journey. What did you see? People always say, oh, they join in prison. Islam yes, is strong in prison. Talk about that process.
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Man, the nation of Islam is definitely a power in prison. Um, and it's not even the numbers because the nation of Islam is not big in prisons. Sunni Islam is very big. The communities are, are, are massive. But anytime gangs were involved in almost clashing, the warden would go and get the brothers that was in the nation of Islam to refute the tension, to bring it to a peace. And just to see brothers that was in the nation of Islam to have a lot of time, never going home if it's left up to what, they, what the U.S. government has gave them. Life sentences, two life sentences. Oh, I've been locked up 30 years. You see brothers that's in the nation of Islam who've been locked up 25, 30 years. And a brother look like he 18, 19. You ask a brother, how old are you? I'm 50. Damn. How to eat to live. Brothers working out. Brothers not using no profanity. Brothers around the, the, the yard literally are upright citizens of how to be a prisoner. I mean, how to survive, how to make it, how to mind your business, how to keep yourself busy, how to keep you in good uh, regards with uh, the opposition. See, it's, it's, it's not always about what I can do holding on to these teachings allow you to deal with your opposition in prison to where your opposition y'all can keep a mutual agreement and the peace can maintain and stay where it is. That's, that's, that's what attracted me uh, to the life giving teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad guided by the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan because before I came into the nation of Islam, I was in the Sunni community, and I was the, I was the Muwevin and I called the Adan for seven years before I even came into the nation of Islam. So I had already seen brothers in the nation, but with some brothers that had the perception that was in the Sunni community that the nation of Islam are not real Muslims. Farrakhan is not a real Muslim. I heard these things. And it was a point, it was a time where I thought, yeah, he ain't dead. He, he with the government. I literally thought that. Until, and I thank Allah for this, for allowing me just to continue to study. Because when I came into the Sunni community, just being a Muslim, I was, I was excited. Ramadan. doing Ramadan, it is best to make one congregational salat to break Ramadan. Well, <clears throat> every Ramadan that came up, brother Ben, I would see the brothers that was in the Nation of Islam and I would read the Quran and the understanding that Allah was giving me was, brother, do y'all want to make one congregation of Salat? The Nation of Islam always agreed to do so. But brothers in the Sunni community said we can't do that. So that was a red flag to me. And I knew, I said something is wrong. I didn't know what it was. But I knew something was wrong. The way I was reading this Quran was not saying those are not real Muslims. I said, no, I can't, I can't go with that. But I kept staying in the community. But again, now where I can see now on hindsight, boy, Allah was working. And I'm talking about Master Farid Muhammad was working on little old me. Okay? This is the process. It's different degrees to get what you need. So I already felt, Brother Ben, every time I would try to get the brothers to come and make one congregation of salat, I knew it was a void in me still. It was still a void. Yes, I learned how to pray in Arabic. I learned how to call the Adhan. beautiful. But I still didn't see myself. I couldn't recognize me. It was almost like going from Christianity to Islam. Not to make a knock on our Christian family. But the way we were taught. Not to see ourselves. Not to value ourselves. Brother, I remember being in the Sunni community and brothers. Brother, we walking around trying to speak Arabic and we tripping up. Uh, 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 Alhamdulillah, brother. We trying to sound not knowing this was our original language. So when I read in the Quran, I raised messengers to speak the language of the people. I questioned the Sunni Imam, what does this mean? Again, Allah was moving me towards the truth. I had a brother that was a, a fruit that was in the nation. We worked in the kitchen together. We always dialogued together. Brother told me, he said, he said, how does Allah create human beings? This is what I told him. Oh, shoot. he just scooped the sand up. He just scooped the dirt up, all the different colors of the, of the, of the soil in the earth. And so he just breathed into it and they just make he said, no, sir, brother. I said, oh, brother, can't no, none of us know what a lie do. He said, that's not true, brother. I said, oh, brother, what you finna, what you finna tell me? Okay, let me, you, you tell me. He said, brother, every human being was created and made through the black man and woman. And I said, man, that don't make no sense. I said, can you show me? I said, I, don't, I ain't going with that. He allowed me overnight. He gave me study guide number 19, the knowledge of God, who is God. Brother, when I took that study guide home. Well, to my dorm and I read it. When I seen in there where it said it broke down, where well, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan broke down the difference between mind and brain. When he said brain is finite, but mind is infinite, mm. the mind is far greater than the brain. See, he was breaking that down to me in a scientific understanding. And when he did that, I said, there is no way that you can hide this. This is, this is true. This is a fact. So from that point on, I became intrigued. And actually, study guide number 19 is still my favorite study guide of all time. I became intrigued. So the next day I went to him and I told him, I said, brother, that was very interesting. And he said, how about we go look at the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I said, you, they got DVDs? He said, yes, sir. I said, I-, I would love to. He said, well, Friday for Jumar. He said, come with us. I went back to the email and told the email, hey, brother, this Friday. I'm not going to be at Jumar. I'm going to go and studied with the, with the brothers in the nation. So he said, go ahead. I got to the chaplain, Brother Ben X. And the first thing I was introduced to was the origin of blackness. Mm. That was the first time that I seen the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan was the origin of blackness. I started to cry. When I seen him breaking down <clears throat> the original black man and the germ. And when he was breaking down how the brown germ was laying dormant. Brother. At that time, I didn't understand the language, but the feeling that I got was verified. And it was a voice in me that said, this is what you've been missing. This was the void. This is home. And as I started to cry, one of the brothers gave me some tissue and looked at me and said, welcome home. Brother, that was signs and symbols for the conscious mind. I never went back to the Sunnah community after that. Mm. I never went back. I went to old email. I said, listen, from this point forward, brother, I want to continue to study under the life-giving teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And after that day, brother, I will go myself. I watched every DVD that they had that was available. And I would go, and from that point, it was 2008. I got out in 2015, so I had seven years left to go. Brother, once I came into the teachings of the Nation of Islam, it seemed like a lot of the burden that I had before I came into that was lifted. And that second half of my bid, I was, I was, I was determined. I was determined. I still had blood partners. All my blood hummus was still there. I had crib partners. But they knew. I would always tell them, hey man, come to the chapel. Come listen to me. One of the brothers that was there put me under his wing. He ended up leaving. He said, brother, I need you to hold this nation of Islam flag up, black man. I said, brother, I can't. I'm I'm nervous. I'm scared. I can't. I can't do that. Brother, I had long dreads. Brothers would say that, man. Brother, you can't hold posts with those dreads you can't hold post with those dreads we reached out to the nation in the world actually we reached out to brother Nuri and his team and the answer came back to us don't don't startle that brother that has dreads stop telling him that he can't study or hold post because he has dreads don't knock him off what God is building in him Hmm. allow him to continue to go if he's doing right, if he's doing right and well, allow the spirit to continue to take him in the right direction to establishing that truth. Don't break the man off the truth. So I kept my dreads. And so I continue. Every day, every Friday, I would go up there. I will open up prayer. I turn on a DVD of the minister, let the minister go. And then when, the minister, when it was time for us to go, I... Cut it off and i close out with prayer. Then as I got more, the, 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 the spirit started to build momentum inside of me. From Friday to Friday through the week, I will study. OK, I want to speak to the people about this. And I will open up. I said, well, we're going to get to the minister. I said, but I got something to say. And I started to speak to the brothers, and it started out with three and four brothers. And by the time I knew it, God is my witness. Allah is my witness. 20, the little space we had was filled up. Brother, what you going to speak about this this, this week right here, uh, brother knowledge? I said, I don't know, man. Just be there. And I have witnesses, brother. The brother that came to the let it out, the brother that was telling you about the 100 days. That's my brother. That's my OG. He was there. Used to be on the front row listening to me. He said, go ahead, brother. Speak to us. Speak to the people. He would be there. He would cry and see me. That brother told me doing the let it out, he said, before you got there, I was waiting on you. He looked at me and he said, brother, you you held on to what you said you was going to do when you got out. He said, a lot of brothers, they talked about you. They said you was faking. And he said, you did it, man. You you held on. He said, now you are with Brother Ben all the time. He said, they looking and they talking. Now they saying, man, you see one. Man, he really, you see Iceberg, because that's what they used to call him. You see Iceberg. Man, he really in the nation. I get DMs, people asking about you. Man, what is he like? I'm like, he's a a human. (laughs) He's a human being, brother. But I know what they mean. They're looking at me saying, brother, you literally, you actually did it. You stayed the course. And all I can say is all praise is due to Allah.
0: Wow. Wow. Praise be to Allah. Well, uh, this is just the first episode, brothers and sisters. We're going to bring them back and talk about after he left prison, what was that transition like going into a job, connecting back with his son, striving to get on on his feet and working in entrepreneurship. So, man, y'all stay tuned, man. This is uh, the bounce back, man. I got terminated on YouTube. So now uh, we're rebuilding the, 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 the platform back up. We're going to up the quality. We're going to up the, um, the, the, the podcast show, how things is going. And we just want to continue to bring you some news that you can use. And actually, as you were speaking, I was like, man, I think what we can do, we can turn these dialogues each show into like its own book, yes, e-book. Sir. And should we promote these mugs and turn each each episode into a product that we can sell on hand whenever we're out in the streets, man. So as we building this content, man, we're also doing for self and creating products for ourselves so that we can continue to do for self, man. Is there anything you would like to close with uh, to a young brother out there listening? Maybe he got a single mother. Uh, maybe he's lost in the world and maybe nobody understands him and he get wind of this episode.
1: Yes, sir. Um, for a brother who's at home with his mother, don't know his father, or father may be incarcerated, and you see this episode of what we're saying. My, my great brother Ben X always say that when brothers go to prison, you know, everybody, oh man, he's been to prison, he came home. But brother Ben X say, but what about the brothers that never go? What about the brothers that conduct prison?
0: Get your money man, get your bread up, gotta do for yourself, know you fed up, get your study on, all praise be to God, stay red up, die, never let up, everyone that I'm on already know what I'm about, build heaven on earth, gotta catch up Elijah Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, yeah. Yeah. come, I come mess now man, what
2: about me?